The rich and powerful want us to think the economy is a line on a stock market ticker. That's wrong. The economy is powered by us. It's what we create, what we buy, what we need. President Biden has proposed bold public investments in jobs and families, but more is needed. We need housing, health care, caregiving, action on the climate crisis, and millions of good-paying jobs. This is our moment to finally unlock prosperity for all of us. For more information, go to prosperus.org. That's prosperus.org. The rich and powerful want us to think the economy is a line on a stock market ticker. That's wrong. The economy is powered by us. It's what we create, what we buy, what we need. President Biden has proposed bold public investments in jobs and families, but more is needed. We need housing, health care, caregiving, action on the climate crisis, and millions of good-paying jobs. This is our moment to finally unlock prosperity for all of us. For more information, go to prosperus.org. That's prosperus.org. Welcome to the Fantasy Golf Degenerates Podcast. Is going on, DGen Nation. Kenny Kim here bringing you another Fantasy Golf Degenerates podcast this week for the CJ Cup. Coming from my homeland in Korea, as usual, I'm here with my partner in crime, everyone's favorite Canadian, Tyler Tambling. Tyler, happy Canadian Thanksgiving to you today. Thank you, my brother. It's a, it's a holiday in Canada, that's right. So whole turkey dinner and the whole shebang. Got my brother in town, had a little bit of a get-together, a couple drinks for the boys, and now talk some golf. Yeah, I love Thanksgiving. It's one of my favorite holidays. Any any holiday where you can just eat and watch football all day, I guess Sunday is a holiday for me too. Then, if that yeah. <laughs> if, if that's what holidays are about, I guess every Sunday is a holiday too for me. But I love Thanksgiving. Korean Thanksgiving was like two months ago. It was like the middle of August. We do ours based on like the lunar calendar. It's some weird Korean type shit, but yeah, I love Thanksgiving. So, um, but, but let's talk, not talk about Thanksgiving. Let's talk about golf. Let's talk about this past week. Uh, the tournament we had this past week was great. I mean, it came down to three guys, you know, basically all journeyman guys all over the age of 30. This wasn't like your young boys club that we've seen. These guys have struggled, like Harrington, uh, Hubbard, and um, our eventual winner, Lanto Griffin. You know, they've been struggling to make it on tour. I mean, everyone's seen that article now with Lanto five years ago, you know, had $167 in his bank account, you know, and he almost gave up golf, you know. And so, you know, these type of stories are great for the game of golf. It's great for these players, too, just because their, their life is just so radically changed uh, by one week. And that's why golf is great. You know, I mean, you know, any, any of these guys, even if you don't think they can win, 
they can. These are all pro guys. And in any given week, you know, we saw Adam Long last year. You know, uh, some other guys last year just came out of nowhere and, and got their card. I mean, it's a huge, huge thing for these guys. And it's great to see all the emotion played out. Uh, the tournament itself was great. Uh, it came down to, you know, those three guys all tied. Harrington was coming in, doing some crazy stuff there. Um, doing some, you know, you know at, at the end, making birdie after birdie after birdie. Just lipped out on 17, which could have made him uh, into a playoff. You saw Hubbard, who was in and out of the lead, uh, you know, the whole day. I think he bogeyed 16. Uh, I'm not sure. One of the last three holes went in, and then, Lanto made that putt on either 16 or 17, a 40-footer, put him in the lead. Oh, it was on 16. And then on 15 and six, or 17 on 18, he made two five-footers for par, knee knockers. You know, with that much pressure on, he, you know, he drained them, and he got his win. What did you think of the event last week? Oh, epic. I love events like that. I mean, it was a, a Corn Ferry Tour Plus event, right? It was yep, yep. a premium version of it. And good, good week. We'll get into the DFS results, but I mean, I was sweating that at the end. I know you were sweating the Lanto win on another bet, which we'll get into. The Lanto bomb was incredible, like you said. And just, you know, Tambo's tidbits a little bit here. Talk about some of those stories. You mentioned it. You know, a couple things on Lanto. The, the first was, you know, the, the story about uh, Willie Wilcox, you know, the, the DFS enthusiast slash supporter. You know, he's been around forever. He, you know, Lanto went out and caddied for the guy. And his biggest paycheck to date was right then with him in 2014 when he got fourth in the Greenbrier. He was caddying for Wilcox, and Wilcox cut him a check for 17 Gs, which kept him rolling because he was in all sorts of credit card debt, all kinds of trouble, you know, you know in that sense and, and financially. So, you know, it's just a grind. You can really relate to it if you play a lot. You know, even myself, played a lot of GPPs. I, I always say golf and DFS, you know, professional golfers grinding up tours relates the most to DFS players grinding out tournaments because – you wait for like one millimaker or something to change your life, much like Lanto. And we'll talk about another guy in a second here with, with Harrington. But uh, another thing I thought was crazy with Lanto, of all the golfers on tour right now, on PGA Tour results, Fleetwood's got 28 straight made cuts. Webb Simpson has 14. Lanto is in third with 13 straight made cuts. Wow. And the thing about that, he's missed, he missed 15 of his first 20 cuts out of 33 events. Hasn't missed one since. So some incredible little things on Lanto and then dropping down the guy I was kind of rooting for a little bit, you know, and then I wanted to fade him once I saw where my results were at was Harrington. I had to fade him, but uh, crazy thing about him, his payday was 667,500 in 195 starts for Harrington dating back to 2004. He earned 787,000. So he, I mean, basically that's insane, right? You, you got your whole life and then you hit that in this one second place. So uh, shout out to him. It was, it was a great week. Love seeing Lanto win. I mean, it's just the, the perseverance, the grit, the fortitude to grind out all those results. We knew it was coming, even though he was chalked this week, you know, or last week, I should say now, you know, it turned out to be, uh, you know, a great pick and good for him and good on him and great event in Houston. The the streak stays alive for me in Houston and we both had great weeks for the pot. That's a pretty incredible number by Harrington because I've made more money than him in the last, since 2004. Uh, uh, that's that's crazy. I'm I'm a I'm a, I'm a waiter and I'm a bartender, uh, and I've made more money than Scott Harrington has since 2004. So yeah, that that's that's pretty fucking insane by him. Now, when it comes to the results uh, from last week, it, for me DFS wise, probably one of the weirdest weeks. I've ever had. Let me just, I had fifth. I'm playing half the usual lineups I play uh, in the fall, playing half my bankroll. So I, I made 50 GPP lineups when I usually make 80 to 100 during the regular season. So I made 50 GPP lineups. 20% Pat Perez withdrawal. 
30% Matt Jones withdraw. 40% Daniel Berger missed the cut, almost finishes dead fucking last. 50% Brian Harmon, you know, and he misses the cut. So, like, my five highest-owned golfers all missed the cut. I had 70, 35 of my 50 lineups had three of six or worse. Three of six or worse. 40% return on investment. <laughs> That's how wild this week was because my cash lineup, which I did say last week, I was very confident in my cash game cornerstones. Well, my cash game cornerstones, I had three top tens and the win. So even though my – and I had went four for four. Brian Gay was my last. I think he finished 45th or something like that. Now – my cascade cornerstones haven't been that great uh, so far in the fall. I've had, what, three, three or four weeks, one, two or four weeks, and now finally a four or four week. But I've had three winners in my cascade cornerstone picks, Munoz, Neiman, and uh, now Lanto. Uh, so that's pretty good. Uh, so I won that, and I played that lineup in the dollar GBP, and I came in like 100th in that. I won like 10 bucks or something like that. But I also put that lineup in the Listener League. Finally took the Listener League down. Three plus years of trying to win this thing. Maybe half a dozen runner-ups in that time. <laughs> Finally took the Listener League down and felt great. Uh, so, you know, that with with my cash lineup, which, you know, plus, um, you know, winning with all those double-ups. And, you know, a couple. I only cashed in four of my 50 lineups. And I had a 40% return on investment. That whole adage where it only takes one, well, that was the fucking truth. Because I won, like, almost all – I won, like, I'd say 390 of the $415 that I won for the week, maybe even less, maybe even more than that, like 395 out of 415 $410 that I won in my $290 worth of entry fees came from that one lineup. So so that was that was cool. Finally taking down the Listener League was cool. Now, the bets. Lanto, once again, I had them on the betting segment. One of my picks at 50 to 1. That's five winners in the last eight PGA Tour events. And in the three losses I had, two of them were runner-ups. So literally, Sundays for me, the last eight PGA Tour events has just been like sweat, alcohol, nicotine, puffing Newports <laughs> as fast as I can. It's been spectacular. It's taken years off my life, but it's been awesome. It's so much fun when your golfers are in contention and you can win. And so, you know, I'm not a huge better. Uh, I bet, you know, maybe $100 a week and every – and that's including like, you know, some head-to-heads and, and some matched-up bets that I bet. And so when I do this – I'm only trying, you know, all my bets, I'm trying to win 500 bucks. So every, every outright winner that I pick, I, whatever their odds are, I put money in so they can win me 500. So, you know, $2,500 in the last two months, you know, in, uh, you know, I guess $2,500 and I've spent, uh, what, like 800 in that time. That's not a bad return on investment. I, I'm like, so it's been really fun. Uh, getting on this hot streak. I don't know how much longer this can go because this is a pretty amazing streak, but it was a good Sunday for me. What about you, Tampa? I know you were close last week. Yeah, another one. You know, I talked about it last week on the pod, but the Houston Open was the spot that I had my biggest win ever, right? First and third in the dogleg for 120K just when, you know, a year and a half ago because obviously the schedule's changed, but when Poulter took down Hostler. So I, I don't know. I've had good luck with that. Like on my daughter's birthday, I continuously win. When my, my, mo- when my uh, wife's mom is in town, I seem to win. So there's just certain times that I feel more confident. 
Went a little bit harder in the $44 this week. Ended up uh, getting fourth for 5000 And that essentially, with all my other, you know, the $100 I was in and, and a few of the other spots that I'd cashed it, that worked out to basically my profit on the week. So I was up about five grand this week with that finish, fourth place in the $44. And that was basically due to Lanto and all the guys just turned it on. Uh, again, shout out to you. That was huge. The The takedown in the in the Lister League is just something that we've never seen. Like you said, it's never happened. And I've never really got that close either. And I got six this week. And I looked at the lineup. And if I had a swap to Brian Gay over Wierenski with my five out of six, I still would have lost you by like two points. And I was like, fuck, I'm glad I didn't do that. That would have felt worse. So I'll, I'll take my sixth place. Uh, shout out to all the Lister League, you know, winners, guys that are behind you, the, some normals, you know, guys that are there all the time. Cebu, Mr. Polsky. You know, Moondogs and other guys see up there. So good, good on everybody. What are we going to do for the three-man this week, though, Kenny? That's the question. Or is it uh, a three-man and we just put all the money on it, you and I make a head-to-head bet? I, I didn't even think of that, man. I have, I have no idea. Uh, why don't we just make the second-place guy? Yeah, let's bring BVAV5408 yeah. in. Uh, yeah. You know, let, let's check out. You know, we could talk about your lineup, but nobody really wants to hear that. They know you smashed it, won all the money. We appreciate you. But, uh, yeah, let's, let's talk about the second-place guy, BVAV5408. He'll join us. He, he couldn't get to you, Kenny. The other thing was to praise you on and brag you up just a little more was another blowout, right? We've seen that continuously in the Listener League be a theme. We've seen that be a theme with the six out of six, you know, whatever you want to call it, debacle here, where like you said, it's almost like you just need to widen your pool and hope that one lineup gets through because that's all it really takes. Same with me in the $44. I had like 30 lineups in there and it was, there was two six out of six. And one of them was just the one that got up there. So uh, good job you to blow it out by 30 points or whatever. But yeah, BVAV, Bronson Burgoon, Brian Gay, Lanto Griffin, Russell Henley, Doc Redman, and Tringali. And I believe four of those matched you, right? So yeah, the, ones, yeah, yeah, yeah. the ones that he had opposite of you were Burgoon and who else? Was that it? Uh, no, he oh, had two. Burgoon and Henley. Burgoon and Henley. Uh-huh. that you didn't have and, and that just was the difference right so at the, yeah. at the end of the day you you needed Harris English for sure uh putting up 88 and a half points himself so that was solid but yeah let's have him join us in the three-man this week I think it'll be fun we'll still get one going there you obviously won the three-man with the team that basically would have won almost every tournament on DraftKings I think but solid cash game week overall and let's do it again this week yeah shout out to uh Steve Krakauer uh he's a follower of mine of, of the Fantasy Golf Generates podcast he's actually he works for CNN. Uh, looking at his Twitter page right now, but uh, he he's been listening to the pod for two plus years. He had his first big win. I think he actually won the forty four dollars. Uh, no, he won the I don't either the forty four. No, he won the eight dollar best ball uh, last week. One fifty k. Yeah. And huge. here's his tweet uh, at Kendo VT at Pat Mayo Pat Mayo and Rick Runnergood Rick Game and been listening and watching for nearly two years. First big win today. He three cornerstones. So he used three of my cash game cornerstones in his winning lineup. Uh, Lanto, English, and Denny, who all finished top 10 and the winner. Uh, Hubba Hubbard, who Rick Gaiman uh, was talking about uh, last week, and so did, so did Tambo. Uh, and he learned about Jang uh, on some Mayo podcasts. And all together, you know, it came together at the right time for him to take down the, uh, the, the best ball to win 50K. So congrats to uh, Steve Krakow. It's nice seeing my cash game cornerstones up in that, that, that lineup. A little bitter that I didn't make that lineup because I rostered every person he rostered except Carlos Ortiz uh, in that lineup. <laughs> so it's a, it's a little bitter, but hey, awesome. Congrats on the 50K. We like seeing big winners who, who listen to the pod. All right. So since we're going to go ahead and skip the listener league this week, anything else to talk about before we get, we move, move on? 
No, man, I'm excited. This is your hometown event. Let's it get is, right to it. it. And your preview on Gup's Corner this week was fire. So hopefully yeah. everybody gets over there and checks that out. But it, it was absolutely incredible. I checked it out right before I got on the show tonight. So um, before we talk about that, let's talk about Gup's Corner. Uh, use promo code DGEN10. Go ahead and, uh, you know, get your subscription, get 10% off a subscription for a year-long or a monthly-long, you know, sub. And a year-long is 365 days. It includes football. You get some great – and in the fall swing – Here's the key. Um, in the fall, you get all the new premium tools for free. So you can test them out before you actually, if you, if you want to purchase them, you know, test them out before you purchase them. So, you know, the, so, you know, it's a really nice little thing. So get on uh, Gup's Corner. You get my article, Tambo's article, Gup's rankings, uh, Gup's ownership percentages, Gup's bets. You get that Slack chat, which is literally a community. It's one of the greatest things that I, I love getting on that Slack chat and talking to thousands of different people about golf. You know, if you have a hard time finding people to talk to, uh, you know, if your friends are like, what the fuck? Are you a nerd? You're playing fantasy golf. What the fuck? And I, I know there's got to be some of your friends <laughs> that say that because a lot of my friends say that to me. Uh, and then I show them, you know, my bank account. And they're like, oh, okay. Well, that makes a little bit more sense. Anyways, you know, so so go and, you know, you know, it, it's, a, it's really cool. You get people to talk to. You get different ideas. I go on there. I post showdown plays, uh, you know, on, on, on a regular basis. Not every showdown play. But, you know, I post showdown plays on there, Tambo's on there, answering questions all the time. It's a great place to get together and talk about fantasy golf with like-minded individual individuals. So go to gupscorner.com, use promo code DGEN10. If you only want to try it out, try it for a month, okay? It's like 15 bucks for a month. You use that 10% off. It's $13.50. It's barely any risk, but you're going to want to get the year because the year is a great value, and it's a great site. So get on it right now. So let's move on to this week. It is the CJ Cup from my homeland. Uh, in uh, The CJ Cup from Nine Bridges Golf Club from Jeju Island, South Korea. Uh, one little tidbit about Jeju Island. It's actually called the Honeymoon Island. Uh, in Korea, a lot of people, they go there for their honeymoons. And um, my parents went there for their honeymoon. Um, you know, I was actually an accident. So I was actually already in my mother's belly when, when they, when they went to Jeju Island. Um, now here's the thing, what Jeju Island has been known for, for decades, has been their pork. Supposedly they have some of the most delicious pigs, uh, in all of America coming out of Jeju Island. You will see a lot of golfers this week on their Twitter and Instagram, you know, eating Korean barbecue and telling you how much they love it. And Korean barbecue is great. If you haven't tried it, you need to try it. But here's the thing, before, before, like, running water and, like, you know, running toilets and, like, you know, the real toilet system happened in, in Jeju Island, and this is, wasn't that long ago. Uh, I mean, like, well, my parents went on a honeymoon 40 years ago uh, there, and there was no running water, you know. I mean, like, you know, no toilets, you know, no, you couldn't flush. It was all, like, outhouses and stuff like that and other things like that. But you know how they got rid of the sewage, Tambo? How'd they do it? They fed it to the pigs. <laughs> so supposedly human poop and piss is what made these pigs delicious. And all these, now, it, it, now it doesn't happen anymore. Supposedly, you know, Korea, there's still some, you know, old heads who go by the old way. Okay. Um, <laughs> but, but as, you know, they don't do that now, but you never know. But supposedly a lot of old Korean heads said the pork was better back then when they ate, you know, human poop. 
uh, all the time. So my little, t- little, little, little tidbit about, about, about my course right there for you. So, so what right. you're saying is it's called the Maui of Korea, but don't eat the ham and pineapple pizza. Look, man, it, 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 they eat what they eat. Supposedly it's delicious. I mean, you know what I'm saying? I, I give up shit if it's, it's delicious. Well, you know, what, what's in a hot dog, right? I mean, like, we, exactly. we don't eat the, the greatest stuff ever. You know, if you didn't know and you tried it, you would be like, this pig is delicious. Then when you think, <laughs> you know, they've been eating poop all day and not just their own poop, like my poop, <laughs> then you think twice about it. I'm out. Bit. I'm out. Yeah. <laughs> hey, hey, but supposedly it's delicious. All right, so let's move on. Let's move on. All right, so this is the third time the PGA Tour has played here. and There is no cut in this field of 78 golfers, so everyone should see four rounds of play. There are close to 20 green golfers in the field, and it's possible that some of them have some course knowledge here at Nine Bridges. Sari Pak won an LPGA event here in the past. Uh, though there are no male Korean golfers of her class in this field, I still expect a couple to surprise. You know, trying to figure out which ones it'll be is going to be a difficult task. Uh, some Koreans in the field that I will be paying attention to that we know of is Sung Kang, who was born and raised on, on Jeju Island. Sung JM saying he, this is his home course. Um, and then there's a few other Korean golfers that I do like who played specifically on the Korean tour, but I'll save those for the Gups Corner people because uh, they paid good money to read that article and giving me a little bit of a little bit of a jump there. So those are going to be on my article on Gups Corner. All right. So during the the, uh, the, the unfamiliar, unfamiliarity of the course could be exacerbated by the weather on Jeju Island during the summer month. This part of South Korea is extremely hot and rainy, but in October, the big weather worry for golfers will be the wind. Uh, the difficulty of the course the past two years has been wind-dependent. Uh, the course was the fourth most difficult on tour in 2017 when 30-mile-per-hour gusts were a daily occurrence. Last year, with light wind, the course was the 31st most difficult on tour, so a lot easier. Now, windy conditions are usually the norm, but it looks like the winds could be more similar to last year instead of 2017. The forecast calls for winds between 5 and 15 miles per hour, for the whole tournament, which should make scoring much easier. Rain is also possible, so the course could play a bit longer due to soft conditions. Per usual, check the forecast because it can easily change before the tournament starts. Now, let's get to the course. Nine Bridges Golf Club is a 7,200-plus yard par 72 with a traditional par 4s, four par 5s, and four par 3s. It's situated on Mount Hala, which is the largest mountain in Korea. Uh, the course is anywhere between 2,000 and 3,500 feet above sea level, depending on what hole it is. So the altitude could play a part this week. With higher altitude golf balls, of course, the, the, golf, the balls tend to farther, tend to travel further. So the course length could actually be less than what the scorecard says. Now, even though the course is on an island, it's not necessarily a coastal course. Uh, some have compared it to Glen Eagles in Scotland. Uh, though I think it more resembles courses that we see in America due to the grass types and how the course is set up. Uh, outside of the fairway and green sizes, the way the course is set up with many different dog legs, shorter yardages, big lip bunkers, water lurking, and a difficult 18th hole, it almost reminds me of some P-Dye courses. Now, here's the thing. We've seen this new generation of golfers attack these technical, quote-unquote, technical, tactical strategy courses a bit different than their predecessors. Aggressiveness off the tee on less-than-driver courses has become very popular. Both types of games have had success here, as, you know, JT and Kepka won while pounding driver off the tee. And on the other side of the spectrum, we've seen back-to-back top tens from Pat Perez as he plotted his way through the course. 
Now, even though both types of games can succeed here, I give the edge to Bombers, especially because of the possible soft conditions. A lot of quotes that comes down to this is, you know, having that driver in hand and carrying some of these fairway bunkers gives you a big edge. But that doesn't mean these shorter guys can't get it done because the course is already short. You have the altitude, but, you know, still a slight edge to the longer hitters. Now, three of the par fives here should be reachable in two as long as the wind is helping and golfers land the ball in the fairway. The par five ninth hole will be tough to reach in two due to the hole being close to 600 yards and uphill. Three of the par fours are under 400 yards, and the par four 14th could be drivable by some. Five of the par fours are between 400 and 430 yards, and there are only two par fours between 450 and 470 yards. The par threes on the course are fairly long, as three of them range from 190 to 220 yards. Off the tee, golfers will see rolling fairways that are average to above average in width, though there are a couple of holes that have a narrow landing zone off the tee. Many of the fairways are tree-lined and over 100 bunkers line the course from tee to green. Water is also in play on roughly a third of all the holes here. The rough around the fairways have been lengthened compared to how the members usually see it, and I've read reports that it'll be anywhere between two and three inches high. Playing out of the rough hasn't been that difficult, as nearly 64% of approaches from the rough have still landed on the greens. Again, this can give an edge to a longer hitter who sprays it a bit as long as he stays out of the water and stays away from the trees. Again, this can, uh, and now golfers have hit more than 70% of fairways here the past two years. So even though there, there have been some golfers pounding driver off the tee on every hole, most have kept driver in the bag. Now, on approach shots, golfers will see a wide array of green sizes, ranging from long and narrow to short and fat. Deep bunkers, including some with sod-layered walls, guard the greens, and water will be in play on some approach shots as well. The greens use bent grass, which is a rarity for Asian courses, and could help some PGA Tour golfers, American golfers, feel more familiar when putting. The stimulator rating could be as slow as, as 10 if the wind blows hard. If it's not that windy, the course superintendent will probably bump up the speeds a little bit on the greens. Larger greens are multi-tiered, which will make proximity on approaches important. Some greens are elevated and have runoff areas where poor approaches can slide off the front of the green, leaving difficult chip shots. Now, putting has been very, very difficult here the last two years, as there have been double the tour average of three putts on these greens the last two years combined. The large undulations and deceptive slopes on the greens have caused havoc for golfers. Tambo, what are you looking for in golfers this week? The biggest thing is actually going to be the wind factor, right? You know, that really does mess with it. So we got to see as it looks right now, it looks like about the first day we'll have up to 15 miles per hour, you mentioned, and then sort of, you know, divvies out from there. And so we should get a bit of a birdie fest and obviously in a no cut event, that's what we want to target. So uh, guys that can make birdies, guys with the scoring wedges to sort of that 100 to 150 range, even 75 and up in that range for proximity, par five, because the par fives are gettable here. And then just good ball strikers in general, right? The, the fairways are a little bit safer. They're not going to be, you know, you guys with the bombers, like you talked about, can put it out there a little ways, can, you know, overtop these bunkers and then set themselves up that way. But then the wind can really affect that, right? If it's downwind or upwind or coming at them, whatever it might be, they have to be careful. So, uh, you know, greens and regulation in general. And then if it's going to be a little bit more windy, I will bring more around the green into it. Or just think of that in general with my golfers, like some of them, you know, as Benny Ann, for example, a guy's good around the green because it will come into play and then they have to get it from there to be able to be able to avoid all the three putts that this course course has and, and entails as you mentioned all right 
Sounds good there, buddy. Let's get to the tiers for the week. We're going to go 10K range. And this large this week. You got Jordan Speed at 10K, which I don't know what the fuck that's about. But we got Jordan Speed at 10K all the way up to Justin Thomas at 11.7. Who you got this week there, brother? Right off the bat, the first T3PO. I assume people are going to go to Brooks here for 11.4 just with the savings off of JT. But JT's just been the better golfer flat out. I mean, for me anyway, if you look at everything, I know that Kepka won here last year, but in general of the statistics, Thomas has been better in the recent form. Thomas has been better uh, and everything about him. Vegas even has him as better. So, you know, if for some reason he's getting the love is what it is, I'll eat it. But I actually think more people would go to Kepka here. So I like JT over Kepka right out of the gate, started off hot. And then I never play a deck at five figures that will continue uh, maybe one or two lineups just because everybody in Gup's corner hates on me for it, but I don't care. I don't really like him. If he ends up being that I got 10700 bucks left over in a lineup that I love, I'll plug him in just because he might go lower owned at this price uh, being at uh, you know ten seven with Kepka right there and Hovland below him, who people like myself included. So JT over Brooks, I like Hovland still. You know His recent form when, when he was playing recently, his ball striking all been you know pretty solid. Uh, I'm going to skip over Fleetwood, let him marinate a little bit. I know people will like him. And I'm going to go to my other guy that I like for a ball striking. And it's not Jordan Spieth, that's for sure. It's <laughs> Colin Morikawa. So, uh, you know, Morikawa, just a stud. I always like playing this guy. I like the young guys, Hovland, Morikawa, and JT. That'll be the three that I like in this range. Kenny, what, what say you? Uh, I'm with you on JT. I'm, I'm JT over Kepka, uh, but I am going to hedge because Kepka is going to be part of my betting plan on the betting segment this week. So there will be a little bit of hedge there. I think, you know, there's a reason why both these golfers uh, have won this tournament, in, in, you know, in back-to-back years. Uh, and both of them have had sort of this similar type of game where they're pounding driver uh, off there. And like I said, I sort of like that uh, this week, that aggressive type play, especially with the soft type of conditions. So I am going to go uh, JT over Kepka, but I am going to hedge with Kepka as one of my betting segment bets. And I do like Hovland a lot. It doesn't matter where Hovland's playing, if he's played there for the first time. I mean, he was in contention at the BMW, you know, the flagship event in Europe. And, you know, and he's been in contention in so many events uh, in the United States. This guy is going to win soon. I wouldn't be shocked if it happened in an event with a, a strong field. Like, this guy's that good. Uh, yeah. I think he's better than Morikawa. I think he's better than Wolf. I think he's better than all these younger guys. He just still hasn't gotten that win yet. And, you know, Morikawa won his on like a, like a alternate field event, um, you know, Wolf Week field event. I, I think Hovland can get his first win uh, in an event with some really good golfers in it. And I like him a lot this week. Some people, you know, cash is different in a no-cut event, okay? Uh, you know, I'm still probably going to go with my normal technique, and I'll go over why I'm doing that here in the next tier uh, because the majority of my cash game cornerstones are in the 9K range. But – you know, I wouldn't mind starting with Hovland. I thought about it. I wouldn't even mind starting with Justin Thomas if the field wasn't so bad after $8,500. It just depends on these weaker field events, on the, on these no-cut events. So, you know, Hovland and Cash, I don't hate. I'm not going to do it, but I don't hate it. Uh, and I'm going to play one more guy. I'm not 100% sure, but it's probably going to be Fleetwood uh, as my third uh, pick in this range. But it's definitely JT and Hovland. Those are probably going to be two of my highest-owned golfers for the week. All right, so let's move on to this 9K range. And like I said, my strategy in cash this week, I have three cash game cornerstones in the 9,000 range. The reason I'm doing that is because if you look at this field, once you get like 8,700, 80, you know, 8,600, the quality of the golfers drops off precipitously. Like 
it's a very, very large drop-off. So I want as many guys above 8,600 in my lineup as possible. I'm actually going to have four golfers. I already made my cash lineup. I'm going to have four golfers over $8,600. I'm going to have one 7K, and I'm going to punt with a very low 6K golfer, which I normally don't do, but this is a no-cut event. You know, placement points are going to be huge. Everyone's going to play four rounds. So you don't have to worry about huge discrepancies from people in scores, from guys that missed the cut to those that make the cut. I mean, there will be large discrepancies. Some, some will shoot, you know, 10 over, and, and, you know, that'll be the equivalent to missing a cut. But you already sort of have an idea on who those guys could be down in that lower range. So that's the way. The rich and powerful want us to think the economy is a line on a stock market ticker. That's wrong. The economy is powered by us. It's what we create, what we buy, what we need. President Biden has proposed bold public investments in jobs and families, but more is needed. We need housing, health care, caregiving, action on the climate crisis, and millions of good-paying jobs. This is our moment to finally unlock prosperity for all of us. For more information, go to prosperus.org. That's prosperus.org. The rich and powerful want us to think the economy is a line on a stock market ticker. That's wrong. The economy is powered by us. It's what we create, what we buy, what we need. President Biden has proposed bold public investments in jobs and families, but more is needed. We need housing, health care, caregiving, action on the climate crisis, and millions of good-paying jobs. This is our moment to finally unlock prosperity for all of us. For more information, go to prosperus.org. That's prosperus.org. I'm going about strategy this week in cash. So three cash game cornerstones in this range. It's my first. It, they're all in order. My first, it's going to be Mark Leishman at $9,200, a guy that has played well in Asia. This is like his sort of type of thing. I think he won the CIMB a couple years ago. Uh, you know, it, it, this is his type of thing. He's coming off a solid finish in his fall event um, tournament that he played a few weeks ago, and he's always good in the wind. So I do like Mark Leishman uh, in this. He's actually pretty, really good, one of the best longer iron players in this field. And, you know, you're going to have, you know, you got three par threes over 200 yards. You're going to go for at least three of the four par, you know, par, uh, par five. So you're looking at six to seven, you know, maybe or 200 yard plus, you know, approaches. He's really good at that. His iron game has been pretty good here recently. He's 15th in strokes game approach in the last 50 rounds in this field. And he's, and he's had a runner-up. I think he's a runner-up here, if I'm not mistaken. Um, uh, he had a second place in 2017 and 18th last year. So it seems like he likes this course a bit. So Mark Leishman, first cash game cornerstone. Second cash game cornerstone, Mr. Sergio Garcia, $9,100, who's been playing extremely solid golf recently. Seventh, his last time out on the European Tour. He's won an event on the Euro Tour. So first and seventh in his last two outings. He's been really good with his irons, really good on par fives. You're going to have to score on these par fives. And the crazy thing is, he's 13th in this field in three-putt avoidance. Three-putt avoidance is going to be important. This, there's so many three-putts on this course, so I like Sergio. And then I'm going with Cam Smith at $9,000. Another guy, uh, Aussies, they tend to do well here. Uh, at least in the first couple of years that this event has been on. He has two top sevens here on this course. He's coming off, you know, a pretty good showing, 13th in his last time out. He's had a couple of, you know, top 15s in his last seven events. The game looks pretty decent uh, 
for him. So I do like Cam Smith at $9,000 as well. And, you know, in the last 12 events, he's actually top 10 in birdies or better game and top 10 in putting and top 10 in three-point avoidance. So, you know, if he can continue that flow that he's been playing with recently, it could be a, it could be a win for him this week. So I do like Cam at, uh, at 9,000. Those are my three cash game cornerstones. GPP is in this range. Um, I like Sungjae. He's coming off a win last week uh, on the Korean tour, coming to his homeland. You know, at first I, would, I was a little worried playing in front of his people. He could be nervous, but he showed that that doesn't bother him because he won in Korea last week as the marquee man in that tournament, and he still came through and won. Uh, and I do like Gary Woodland, another guy who can bomb it, you know, off of here, carry those uh, the fairway bunkers and give himself wedge and stuff in there. Uh, really good with his longer irons. So I like Woodland as GPPs. Who do you like? Jeez, I got nothing left. You took all the tidbits. You took all the plays. You took everything, Kenny. So my bad. Uh, it's Sunday, my tournament. It's my uh, tournament. It and you deserve it's it. It's my bro. week, dog. And you it's won. It's my week. <laughs> uh, I love it. I love it. And, and Sungjae, you brought up the good point. I don't think a lot of people followed that. I tweeted it a little bit earlier. You know, sort of an overnight thing. There's not even an English website you know, really as per Josh Perry, just talking to him and, and shooting the shit back and forth for finding this stuff or betting these guys or doing anything really. I mean, he obviously would have been a favorite in the tournament, but what a, what a sweat it would have been. He, he, became, he overcame a seven-shot deficit in the Korean Tour Genesis Championship to get a, get a W over there, and, and now he comes right in with the momentum. We said that he'd get a win in the fall swing. We just didn't know it would be over there. And then on top of that, we also have said in the past on this exact podcast that Sungjae would get a win, get the monkey off his back, and then go from there, right? Not Not a a PGA win, whatever, but it's still a win, right? It's, he's been grinding for a win. He gets a win and now he gets to carry it over. I don't mind him at 9,700. Uh, you know, he's been good all along. He's a great ball striker, good around the greens, all that sort of stuff. So I like Sungjae quite a bit. One guy you didn't mention is RCB, uh, who's got a great course history here, you know, third last year and 11th the year before. And, and it should be noted and Kenny's really pouring it up tonight. He's feeling it this week. So it it's should my be man, I'm hype. I'm hype. I know, yeah. It should be noted, too, that uh, last the last two years here, the only two years, they were, were very different, right? Last year was a tw- minus 21 under. The year before that was nine under. So the wins really played a part in JT's win. And I think, obviously, JT can compete in both formats. You mentioned that at the top. But RCB, both, both years, very consistent. Third last year, 11th the year before. Uh, he's got a pretty good run. Right now, you know, coming, coming off of a, a couple good finishes, second and a sixth in two of his last three events. So really like RCB here and don't know if he'll get the love. Uh, I like Woodland, who you mentioned, got second here last year in the scoring event, which I think we'll see again. Obviously one of the best ball strikers or Tita Green guys on tour. You see it week in, week out. Uh, a couple guys that we'll talk about, he's one of them. Uh, who did you mention earlier? You mentioned somebody as Hovland. Guys like him and Hovland, and one more I'll mention later, they really contend in these tougher events, right? Like Gary, Gary Woodland, the U.S. Open winner. You know, that's a, a tough event. That's tough conditions. That's a tough course. Uh, coastal course at Pebble, much like this. So kind of similarities, but just the fields. And now you get a smaller field, right, that you're up against some of these guys. And it's not as strong as something like that. So uh, really like Gary Woodland at 9,400. Uh, Leishman, who you mentioned. And then my second T3BO is at the bottom. It's funny, you've got all three of these guys in this range. But I got Sergio over Cam. Cam's going to pop here because the seventh and the third I like that with RCB. The thing about Cam that I don't like, one is I don't like 9K Cam. Don't care about the field strength or not. I don't like Chalk Cam, which these results and the fact that he came 13th and 24th in two of his last year events should make him pop. And then the last thing is, uh, if you look at his results at the 13th and the 24th, I think it was the Shriners and the Greenbrier, it's all putting related. 
He's like five strokes gained at one and seven strokes gained at the other. Like it's just ridiculous putting stats that I, I don't know if that will continue. And just because of a, a two-year sample size of course history, I can't really go all in there. You mentioned some key points on Sergio, but I don't think people are tracking it enough to see. They'll look at, you know, Fantasy National, for example, great site. I'm just saying they won't see all these statistics. And if you look at his Euro stats for the basics, the approach, the tee to green, the around the green, he's ranked in like the top three in all of them. You mentioned the seventh at the Open to Espana and then the first at the KLM Open. A couple more key things. Shout out Steve Bamford. If you don't follow him, check him out. Uh, a lot of these stats and stuff were in his article today. Uh, he also it's a great won. Read. You got to follow Steve Bamford. Incredible read. If you don't follow at, him, have at, his notifications at, turned on. At at Bam- yeah. yeah at good. Bamford Golf. Him, Ben Coley, and Josh Culp are the only three articles I read before I do my research and start writing my articles um, every Monday. For sure. And shout out, shout out Sundog Monkey as well. Another good guy. Yeah, uh, yeah, you've definitely. met him before. Good article there. But yeah, a cu- couple more of Sergio stats, not the banter, but uh, he did play in South Korea before in 2002. He won. So his only time in South Korea, he's won the event. And five out of his six main tour events are on bent grass, which just features bent grass from tee to green. So uh, I do like Sergio quite a bit here, much more than Cam Smith, especially if Cam Smith's going to get popular. Who do you got in the 8K range? Can he kick it off? Not many. So this 9K range, I love. I'm going to play a ton of guys in this 9K range and probably only two guys in the 10K, two or three guys up in the 10K range, and not many guys in the 8K range because I'm not a big fan of this range, especially when we get below 87, 8,600. So I do like Matthew Wolf a lot uh, in, in this, you know, uh, I like that price. I think, you know, he's a winner. Uh, he, he makes a ton of birdies. Uh, Three-putt avoidance is solid. He's longer off the tee. Uh, so I'm a fan of Matt Wolf. Um, I like Joaquin Neiman, another guy. Iron game solid, long enough off the tee, avoids three putts. His putting has been spectacular here in the last six months. So that's another guy that I'll target. And I'll probably throw uh, another, maybe maybe a little uh, Benny on on there as well uh since this tee to green game is so good and even though he's a shitty putter he's still six in this field in three putt avoidance in the last 50 rounds so if he gets it close and avoids a three putt he could be actually gaining strokes putting we'll see uh so uh he's also long enough off the tee six in driving distance in the last 50 rounds in this field uh so those are the three guys that i'll be playing in the 8k range what about you yeah, I like this range a lot more. So you talk a little strategy as far as cash games are concerned. I'm going to, you know, click over to a little bit of GPP strategy here. And I think the most common thing is when you get a no-cut event, the automatic is let's roster all these quote-unquote scrubs because, oh, they're going to get four, four days, so we're set for life. The, the thing people forget to remember, and I've seen this work plenty of times in my favor, going with a little bit more balanced strategy, is that those guys at 6,400, yes, it's amazing that they still get four rounds, but I really don't like planning like more than one of them in my lineup. And you mentioned even for cash, you're sort of thinking the same thing. And the reason is, is because, well, yes, they get four rounds. The placement points don't matter as much. They have to make extra birdies, but you still have to hit on the guys that get the birdies, right? So all you're doing, it's educated guesses like we're doing all the time, but I'm just saying, if you're going to just load two of them because they both get four rounds and then they don't get the birdies that you expected, it has nothing to do with the fact that just three extra birdies make up the placement points from whatever it is, like 40th or 30th, I forget what they score now, all the way up to 10th it's only like three or four more birdies much like when we're talking about showdown strategy, but you still have to hit the guys that do it. And it's not that easy. And when you start planning multiples of them in your lineups, you start to run out of situations where that's not always going to work out. So I actually like this range quite a bit. Some of the guys I'm on, you mentioned Wolf. I think he's a solid play. I really like Neiman. I don't quite understand how he's that low. I would have expected him to be a lot more. I'm not saying he's, you know, Victor Hovland, but the fact that he reminds me so much that their games are so similar in a sense 
of great off the tee, you know, solid on approach when they get clicking. He's better on bent grass. He has a win more recent where events where, you know, Hovland is just consistent. So it must be the consistency, but I'm not sure if it's worth almost $2,000 or $1,800 gap. So really like Neiman in there. A couple other guys that stand out. You mentioned Ann. Uh, he's a good play, especially if he gets lucky and that wind picks up a little because not that he's a great wind player. I don't even think there's enough <coughs> out there on guys like him to say, oh, they're great wind players or whatever those arguments always are on Twitter about who's good in the wind or whatnot. But the main thing is about him is his around the green game is strong. And because we talked about three putt avoidance, that would put him in a situation where I can expect him to get a little bit closer and at least only two putt from five feet versus three putt from 20 feet because he's off the green, right? So uh, I don't mind Benny Ann. Another guy, speaking of three-putt avoidance, I read a stat. I've got to double-check it, and I'll put it in the Gup's Corner Slack. But Terrell Hatton had zero three-putts last year, the entire season. What? Um, it's, it's something like that. Or, or maybe he didn't have zero. I think he's the, literally the number one player on tour for three-putt avoidance. So I'll have to double-check that. But the guy doesn't three-putt. We know he's a great putter, so I can expect that. I just couldn't believe it when I read it that his three-putting is, you know, avoidance is that solid. So got to double-check the stat. But he's a guy, 14th here last year. We know he only, I mean, his stats are kind of skewed because he only plays almost what it seems in strong events, right? He's in majors, he's in WGCs, he's in high-end Euro events. Like this guy's always playing in the toughest events and he's competing. So, you know, his last two events out, he came 18th and 15th. And then here he's got a, you know, a 14th last year. So definitely like him. Uh, and then don't mind a little bit of Fratelli just to round it out. Uh, you know, South African guy, Texas guy in the wind, all that sort of stuff, you know, before his, most recent cut, he had a seventh and a sixth. So first timer here, but I don't mind him at all just to round out the 8K range. Go ahead into the 7K range. You're hot, brother. Yeah, for sure. So um, got to give a little love here. My Canadian brethren, Corey Connors, happy Thanksgiving to him, right? <laughs> it's Thanksgiving from Canada, so he's probably enjoying some turkey dinner himself. But he's a guy, man, ball striking extraordinaire. I, I think he sets up just fine here. Got a little bit of distance. Got that, you know, tee to green game. Everything that we're looking for. Uh, his last event out, he got 13th, so it wasn't like he was a scrub. And we've seen him priced up in those events. In this one, he's priced down, but I think it's extremely fair at 7,800. So I've got to have him. Uh, speaking of Houston Open last week and talking about my big win at the Houston Open just a year and change ago, Ian Poulter right there beneath him. Another guy, shines, 10th here last year, 15th the year before. Doesn't have a lot of good recent form or anything, but he hasn't really played. Uh, he's a guy, again, fairly priced, can make birdies, can get it going in these strong field events, much like a Hatton for... 500 bucks cheaper, right? Another Englishman that's priced down that often plays in these higher end events can see him doing well. Uh, and then a couple more, I'll give you Ryan Moore, like him, another guy that's just solid, solid ball striker, tee to green game, 13th, his last event out. I think he's hot. He's warmed up a little bit now, knocked some rust off coming into this event. Uh, and then my third and final T3PO, and I'll let you click out the top range of this before I jump into the bottom. But um, I'm going to fade Perez. I'm sure you might like him for cash or something just because obviously he's got the results. It's very similar to the Cam Smith you know, segment I mentioned above. This guy's hot. He's got a seventh and a fifth here in the two events. He supposedly withdrew last week just to get to this event because he found out he was in and wanted to get rolling. And before that, he got a third. But the thing about him, similar to Cam, is it's all putter, right? Is all his performance based on all putter? Can he do it again? Sure. Can he plot around and get it done? That's fine. If he does it, I'll let, I'll let Pat Perez bury me. I'm not going to go that route. I do, though, like the guy just below him a little bit at 7,300, clicking in right quick to this range in Emiliano Grillo. And the thing about him, again, another ball striking extraordinaire, not really great form, but his best putting surface, it's always the putter with him, right? His best putting surface is bent, and we know his game, tee to green and on approach. So got to give him some love here as well at 7,300. Who do you like in that top 7K range, Kenny? 
one thing I forgot to mention, I'm going to go way back. Okay. So this is sort of breaking up the flow of the pod, but I don't care. It's our pod. We can do whatever the hell we want. Um, going back to the 10K range, I know we talked about this a while. You know, we talked about Fleetwood. What do you think Fleetwood's ownership is going to be being sandwiched between Hovland and Morikawa, two of these new shiny toys? Do you think his, his ownership could be depressed? because of that location on where he is. And if it is, will that make you higher on him? Uh, a couple answers. One, I think it's going to be right where it should be and where it should be is probably less. I, I don't think, again, he's a, he's another guy that just doesn't do it for me, right? He's going to get a, a top 10, maybe, you know, I feel like almost like that ceiling for him. And it's not, I know it's not, I follow golf as much as the rest of the world, but I'm just saying, I just don't like paying that price. And I know it's Hovland and Morikawa and whatever. They haven't done much yet either. Uh, besides, obviously, like you said, with Morikawa getting that win in the in the alternate event. But I don't care. I, I just feel like their games are better. Their games are on. Fleetwood is a ball striking extraordinaire, like I mentioned with some of these other guys. But I don't know. For MME, I get it. And I do a lot of that. So I'll see what it looks like. If he's going to be something stupid, like 5%, then it's not that hard to just chuck him in 10% of my lineups, have him in 15 out of 150, and roll from there. But I'll see. But how? also, how much? What about Hideki? Hideki's right there at 10.7. You know I hate him at those prices. But he can't be owned. With oh, yeah, no, no, four, yeah, yeah, but and, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna, choice. I'd rather have Fleetwood than, than Decky though, which is weird. I don't know why. Something about Tommy I just love, and I think you know, at some point in time, he's got to pull through. Uh, yeah, I, but, I feel yeah. like Tommy's gonna close more than, than Hideki is. That's in my yeah. opinion as well. So, well, you know, I get Hideki that. has wins, but yeah, but I, I, just, I just thought of that because I'm thinking about using Fleetwood as my third pick in that range, and that sort of popped me. But let's go back to the 7k range and my final cash game cornerstone pick, and it's gonna be the guy that you don't like. Uh, this happens a lot between us. Uh, we're definitely different type of players. I like Pat Perez uh, as my my final cash game cornerstone pick. He's cheap. Uh, he's made. He's been strong here. Uh, his putter. You're right. It has been his putter that has been keeping him afloat. But he's been a good putter for a while. You know, in the last 50 rounds played, you know, he's he's what I think top 10 in putting in this field. He's eighth in putting in this field. And one thing I did notice about him when he played a couple weeks ago and finished third, his longer shots, especially on the par fives, his woods and his hybrids, they looked really sharp. I mean, he was going for the green and hitting a bunch of greens in two. And you could see by his strokes game par five, he's fourth in the field in the last 50 rounds. It's going to cause eagle opportunities. It's going to make birdies on those holes. Will he bogey? Will he three putt? Probably. But at that price, I'll take that risk. And a guy that's been a good putter, that's been strong with par fives, been crushing him, leaving himself eagle chances. So you know, I'm hoping for the birdies there for Pat Perez and his love for the course. Because like you said, the guy withdrew last week when he found out that he was playing. You know? He was like, oh, well, fuck this. I'm out. I, want, I don't want to play in Korea. Uh, you know? And, and maybe in a field, you know, and that happens a week after he finishes third, and he's in one of the weakest fields ever, and, and, you know, and he'd rather go play in Korea instead of finish the week there. And that says something to me about Pat Perez. So he's going to be my final cash game cornerstone. So four cash game cornerstone picks for this week are going to be um, Mark Leishman at 9,200, Sergio Garcia at 9,100, Cam Smith at 9,000, and uh, Pat, Pat Perez at 7,500. That leaves you still close to 15,000. I think maybe even 15,100, if I'm not mistaken. It's somewhere around that. Uh, so I'm going to do that, but I am going to play golfer over $8,500 in my in my second to last spot. And I'm going to play golf for under $6,500 in my final spot. That's the way my strategy is going to go for this week in cash. Other guys I do like, uh, Sabatini. 
um, in this, you know, he came off a really good showing last week in Italy, top 10 uh, at the Italian Open when so many big studs missed the cut last week. He still was able to get a top 10. He's been playing really good golf the whole season, the best of his career. Uh, this is going to get him some good points. Uh, he's trying to make that uh, Olympic t- uh, He's trying to make uh, that Olympic team. You know, so I think he will since he's part of Slovakia, but you still got to be in like the top 60 or something like that to make that team. So he's fighting for that. Um, other guys I do like, I'm just going to go through it all. Uh, I like Ryan Moore a bit at $7,500, a guy who avoids three putts and really solid iron play and strong on par fours. Uh, even though you got a score on the par fives last year, Brooks Koepka destroyed the par fours for his win. And that happened um, at an event where the scoring was higher. Uh, so, you know, it's something to think about with Ryan Moore. I do like him. Um, other guys in this bottom range, it's not too many. Uh, I'll throw a little GMAC in there. Uh, if the course reminds a little bit of a Scott, a Glenn Eagles in Scotland, he should be used to that. The wind should be there. The putting, uh, always solid. He should feel comfortable on, on this type of course, even though it's in, a, in Korea. Um, and then my last one, I'm going Luke List. Another bomber who can hit it over uh, these, these um, the fairway bunkers and all the danger. Uh, he's been playing decent golf here the last couple of weeks. He's 15th in strokes gained tee to green in the last 12 rounds he's played. He's been crushing par fives. He's one of the longest guys out there. And his putter has been better. Uh, he's 25th in this field in three-putt avoidance, so right near the middle of the pack, which is not bad for a poor putter like Luke List. Who else do you like in the 7K range? I just got three others near the bottom, and one of them is Ryan Palmer. Uh, third here last year. If if it gets windy, obviously we know he's good in that sense. He's a, another really good ball striker. Knocked some rust off a couple of weeks ago with a 37th place. Nothing serious, just getting it going again. So uh, feeling him a little bit at, at 7,200. I like my boy HV3 way down at 7,100. He's the other guy I was mentioning earlier when I talked about Gary Woodland and I talked about Hovland, you know, pops in these big fields. I think it was the PGA Championship. I know he got his ass handed to him on Sunday in that Brooks group. But again, another, you know, it's a major type setup, a challenging event, a spot where he shined. The guy's been pretty solid. You know, before his 48th most recently, he had a 17th and a 19th. Uh, a couple of years ago when he played here, he got a 26th. So we know he can compete. He's got better. His irons have been a little off, but that's something that we know can bounce back. That's normally his strength. So I do like HV3 at 7,100. Uh, and then you mentioned him, Luke List. Not going to go crazy, but, you know, a couple couple good events for him. He got a fifth year a couple years ago at 7,000. That's where I'm saying I'll take some darts, but I'm taking it at 7,000, right? I've only really got a couple other guys to talk about below this range. All right, go on. Let's go into the 6K range there, Tamil. Okay, sure. Yeah, for, first one's going to be Brian Stewart, 6,900. Uh, big thing for him is going to just be sort of the Lanto Griffin effect, not not even close to the golfer, but so, solid on approach, solid golfer all around. Not Not saying he's bad. I'm just saying – you know, Lanto was on, on fire with top 20s. If you look back, though, Stewart's on the, the same, you know, sort of path. 28th, then 17th, then most recently 4th. So trending up, again, he's just a guy that can score, can get, you know, hit those greens in regulation. He's a little bit more of that plotter type you talked about. But with his approach game being so strong and, and not being too bad, uh, as far as putting and whatnot is concerned, I think he'd be all right at 6,900. Always got a little love for my boy Kevin Tway. Uh, you know, if that bomber effect comes into play, he had a 29th last time out. Nothing serious here, but at 6,800, he's one of the guys I'll take a shot on. The other guy is a longtime favorite of mine is Killer Keith. Uh, you know, 14th here last year. No recent form to speak of, but can get hot at any time, right? It's, it's not Bermuda, but it's still, it's $6,600. So I'll take a shot on something like that. And then the last one for me, Kenny, 6400 bucks. Another guy I've talked about, you know, many times on this pod is Johnny Vegas. 
bad event in his hometown last week, but you know, he's getting ready to come on out here. So at 6,400, I always like him in events. Like I talked about the players and then he had a good result there at some of the majors. Definitely like him at 6,400. I don't think he's going to win, but uh, you know, a top 20 bet wouldn't hurt. And I definitely think he can score. We know he can get it going when he gets hot. So I love Johnny Vegas at 6,400. What about you? Yeah, I'm similar up top to you. I do like Brian Stewart a lot. Uh, this week at $6,900. His iron game has been strong. Uh, he's usually a good putter. He's third in three-putt avoidance here in the last 12 rounds. He's been playing really well on par fours uh, recently, so I like Brian Stewart a lot. Uh, he's actually sixth in the field in strokes gained tee to green in the last 12 rounds. I'm getting that from Fantasy National, of course. Great site. That's crazy to me. Uh, so that's another guy. Kevin Tway, again, good putter. His irons have been really strong, and he's long off the tee. So that's, that, that's a combo that I'm looking at. I think he could do very well this week. Kevin Tway. Uh, Adam Long has been crushing, uh, making a ton of birdies in the fall, and they've all come at easier courses where it's been sort of a birdie fest, which is normally the fall. And this course, without the wind, you know, it can be a birdie fest. And this guy's been crushing it with his uh, approaches. He's third in the field, and birdies birdies a better gain in the last 12 rounds. Second in DK points, second in the strokes gain approach. Uh, I think he makes for a good flyer uh, down on this range. And I like Vegas a lot just like you at $6,400, a guy that can score, uh, a guy that's, you know, you know, really good with his longer irons. He can get those par fives done. He's long enough to carry those, uh, those trouble spots uh, in this range. And I like Wyndham Clark uh, a little bit at $6,300. Again, longer guy, good putter at avoids three putts. He hasn't had that great of a fall uh, so far, but he's going to be able to play all four rounds. And with his length and putting accurate, putting prowess, that could be very helpful on a course like this one. All right. Anybody we missed there, Tambo? Did, did you say Adam Long? I did. Yeah, I was going to say the, the couple more. You, you mentioned them. So we're, on the, we're not on the same page up top, but we're on the same page down low because I, I was going to mention I missed Adam Long, uh, ball striking extraordinaire, and his results recently, 23rd, 23rd, and 14th. So definitely definitely like him. Get him rolling. The, the new cliche saying is going to be ball striking extraordinaire, as I've noticed tonight. So he's, he's another one of those guys. I'll take him for sure at that price. Sounds good there, brother. Let's get to the betting segment. Who do you like this week, Tambo? Okay, so I'm opening up the card because Kenny can't get all the love on this betting segment. So I decided I'm going to basically just look at it and do a six-pack every week. I think that's the new thing, right? If we got six bets in any field, then we can sort of weigh it out and see how it goes. But I like, I like all six this week. I like RCB at 25-1. to 1. I like Sergio at 28-1. to 1. I like Leishman, who you elaborated on earlier, at 30-1. to 1. I like my boy Hatton at 45 to one. And then a couple bombs outside the range. I like Palmer at a hundred with the each way. And I like HV three at 110 with the each way. What do you got? All right. So I got a six pack too. Uh, a lot of them are short. And now here's the thing. My success, the last, I guess, eight tournaments, I sort of switched up how I've made my bets. Um, you know, a lot of guys look for value. They look for numbers that are wrong. Uh, I don't have a problem with that, but what I've been thinking is I don't, I don't, I'm I'm not really looking at the numbers. I'm looking at golfers who I think can win. Okay. And and a lot of the times they're going to be shorter guys. I mean, if you look so far in these last eight events played on the PGA tour, no one more than 50 to one is one 50 to one has been the, 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 the highest, I guess Munoz was 66 to one at some point in time, but when I got him, I got him at 50 to one. Right. And so, you know, the thing is like, and the thing about that is there's only maybe 25, 30 golfers that are 66 to one. Now this is a little bit different because it's a, it's a, it's a small field event and no cut, 
But like a lot of the times you're only going to get about 25 to 30 golfers, 66 to one or better in a week. Okay. So you, you pick five of the golfers that you think can win in that range. Okay. And so your odds are, you know, 20% almost that you're going to pick the right one, right? Five out of 30. Now, if you're going to go long shots more 80 to one or lower, you're going to have to deal with 120 golfers a week. It's a lot harder to pick. You know, you're going to be having to spend more money to try and get more of these guys on your card. And when they hit, it's great. Like my wins haven't been sexy. Like, it's not like I'm hitting like 80 to 150 to one guys, you know, like, so if you've noticed the way my strategy has gone on the betting segment, I'm doing about four guys at 66 to one or under every week. And, you know, and then maybe one guy at 80 and one long shot. And that's really been helping me uh, get these winners because I know a lot of guys want that sexy pick. They want to hit that long shot, but in all honesty, it, it doesn't happen that often on the PGA tour. Like not enough for me to make it where I'm going to bet these guys a lot every week. So, so my betting this week, I'm going to have, since this is a, a low, no cut event and with a, with a higher field, you know, the odds are going to be a little bit different. So this week, I mean, five of my golfers are 33 to one or less. I know that's not sexy. I know that's not what everybody wants to see, but that's the way I'm going to go about it. And that's what helped me succeed in these last eight months, either that, or it's been blind luck, either one. It could be either one. I, I'm not sure. So my bets this week is going to be Kepka at nine to one. It's a hedge from not playing him on DFS. Hovland at 20 to one. I think he can win on these type of fields. Sung JM, 28 to one. Um, Cam Smith, 33 to one. And, um, and uh, Matt Wolf at 40 to one. The Wolf number is the one value number that I saw. Oh, I'm sorry, not Wolf, Neiman. I apologize. It's Neiman at 40 to one. Let me double check. Hold on. Yes, it's Neiman at 35 to one. Sorry, not Wolf at 45 to one. So Neiman at 35 to one is my five short bets, okay? Um, you know what? I lied. I'm going to go back to Wolf. I'm not going to do Neiman. I'm going to go Wolf. Sorry about that, guys. It's been, I've been trying to figure out between Neiman and Wolf the whole time. I'm going to go Wolf at 40 to one because, okay, there's the value. And I think he can win. And he's already won too. Me, both of them. And my long shot pick is going to be Wyndham Clark at 200 to one. Because, like I said, his driving and his putting, he could surprise. Maybe we'll see something like that. So my, those are going to be my six picks. So Kepka 9-1, to one, Hovland 20-1, to one, M 28-1, to one, Cam 33-1, to one, uh, Wolf 40-1, to one, Clark 200-1. to one. That's, that's the way I'm going to go about my betting process from now on. All right, Tambo, we missed anything? No, I think it's good, man. I think, you know – Looking at the bet-wise you're talking about there, because you're going a little bit bigger on Brooks. Are you putting out a little bit more to cover that off, or how are you betting I, I, it? I, I put 45 bucks on him. So okay. he's, taking, he's taking about about 40% of the money. that I'm spending $110 this week instead of uh, 100 So I, I have him at like $45, or no, $50. I have him at $50 to win 450 is what the way I'm going about it this week for Brooks. Uh, and then all my other guys, let me check my slip here. So, like I said, I bet about $100 a week, and I'm trying to win $500 from my win. So, I got Brooks, $52 I put on him, Hovland, $25, Sung Jam, $18, Matthew Wolf, uh, $12.5, Wyndham Clark, $2.5 is what I have. And then I haven't bet uh, – no, I have. One, two, three. I haven't bet Cam yet. So, um, you know, Cam's going to be there. Uh, yeah, so it's going to be uh, it's gonna be around there. Uh, around, uh, it's gonna, I'm betting more this week because it's it's a lower it, it, because of the field. That's the way I'm going to go because I want to win too. Hey, you got winnings. We know you, yeah. we know you got winnings. Yeah. So you're so, going to put so, a little more on the line and get it rolling. Yeah. 
yeah, that's the way it's going to go this week with Cam. So love I'm probably going to put like I'm probably going to put like fifteen on Cam. So that'll be like hundred twenty five dollars I spent this week to try and win five hundred on these bets. And I think that's a pretty decent return. I mean, it's not great, but I'm not a, a, a guy who goes all out. You know, you see me when I play DFS, I'm very conservative, but I'm sort of taking that over to the, uh, the betting game. And, you know, the more conservative I've gotten, the better I've, the more I've won. So I'm just going to keep on going with that. All good. Okay. No, no, didn't miss anything else. That's good, man. All right. Tell them where they can find you, Tampa. Yeah. We talked about it. Gupscorner.com. Use the promo code DGEN10. Thank you to everybody. You know, there's been a lot of great support. A lot of people have come over using the code, get set up, talk to me in the Slack, hit me up on DMs, sent me, you know, messages on Twitter, whatever. Check, check us out there. Follow us there. Follow me on Twitter at Totag and Tambo. And let's have a good week. Uh, you can find me on Gump's Corner, just like Tambo. My article's out. It's good. I gave uh, about three extra, you know, nobody knows about Korean plays on there this week. If you want to check that out. Um, of course, you can get all that. Use promo code DGEN10. Get on that. And you can also find me on Twitter at KendoVT. I'll be posting stuff on there all the time. You guys know what's up. All right, guys. Let's have a great week. This is in my homeland. I love this tournament. Night golf, baby. Let's win some motherfucking money. DGEN Nation. The rich and powerful want us to think the economy is a line on a stock market ticker. That's wrong. The economy is powered by us. It's what we create, what we buy, what we need. President Biden has proposed bold public investments in jobs and families, but more is needed. We need housing, health care, caregiving, action on the climate crisis, and millions of good-paying jobs. This is our moment to finally unlock prosperity for all of us. For more information, go to prosperus.org. That's prosperus.org. New hot and iced Sunrise Batch Coffee from Dunkin'. A bright and balanced, full-bodied blend, brewed so you can get summering from sunrise to sunset. And even after that, because that's when you can show off those string lights you hung in the backyard. Or re-hung. Enjoy a medium, hotter iced Sunrise Batch Coffee for $2. America runs on Dunkin'. Price and participation may vary. Limited time offer. Exclusions apply.